It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Life the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way with you. Jeff Howe uh, out today, tomorrow, on Monday. He'll be back in on Tuesday. Our thanks to Bruce Burke, Texas men's tennis coach, joining us uh, last hour. Uh, Longhorns in the Sweet 16. Texas will host North Carolina in the round of 16. Again, scheduled for Saturday afternoon. If it's too inclement with the rain, they'll move it inside across over to, the, uh, over to Steiner Ranch and play over at the tennis center over at Steiner Ranch. Uh, so uh, that'll be happening over there, uh, either uh, at home at the Texas Tennis Center over there. At the bottom of the hour coming up, Andrew Haynes checks in from Oklahoma City. Texas softball supposed to start play today at 1230 in the Big 12 Conference Tournament. They had to move games up because uh, expected inclement weather. So we'll check in with Andrew coming up in the bottom of the hour. But uh, I want to go to the uh, Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline. First of all, one cleanup item. Uh, from the Specs text line. I had a couple people weigh in, including my son, who lives over in the Pflugerville area now, who lets me know, and others did as well, there's a newer location of Waffle House. It's uh, it's uh, on uh, Dessau in uh, Pflugerville. So that's that's good to know. You'll pass it coming back from Elgin, going towards Round Rock. Not, uh, well, uh, not the one on 290. There's one on Dessau Road. If you, if you go, if you take the cheap route where you don't take the toll road, right. back, then you'll pass it. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, I some Victor said it's Desol near Palmer. That's the one you're talking about. Okay. Said it's pretty new. All right. So there, for you Waffle House fans, there you should go. Make mine scattered, smothered, and covered there if you get that on that. All right. Uh, the, the, uh, last night, uh, Austin FC won its U.S. Open Cup match over New Mexico United 2-0. Uh, so they move on to the round of 16. Our good friend, the host of Soccer Matters on the Horn on Monday nights. And a guy that I've known for over 20, close to 30 years. Glenn Davis joins us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline. GD, how are you? CW, more Waffle Houses. Uh, by the way, uh, this is my first cap on Light the Tower. And I do want to say you're one of the best guys. We meet people throughout the world in uh, television and radio. You're one of the best ever and uh, a wonderful personality. So thank you for having me on. I'm ready to go. Hey, it's great to visit you. And I and, uh, got the big smile on the face when you uh, started doing uh, Soccer Matters. Love listening to the program. Uh, brought to you by the Daspit Law Office, so it's it's good to good to let uh, folks know about that. And uh, and you get in in you have always since the time I first met you in the mid '90s, you always had the global view of things. You're sitting there talking, t- telling me in those early days about what was going on in Serie A. You were you're sitting there talking about what was what was going on in the English Premier League, what was going on in the Bundesliga. You you were in tune with that at a, at a way on back in the day. I've seen you do international soccer uh, back when Fox was doing it on this and then of course uh, having you and you were always uh, such a huge champion for MLS right from the start when we were doing Dallas Burn games together now FC 
FC uh, FC Dallas. But back in the day when we were doing that and doing the old uh, Dallas Cup tournament there, the youth tournament there, the huge international youth tournament over at Lake Highlands. Uh, so we we go back a ways, and it's always held. I know the international game of it has always held a special spot for you, hasn't it? Should I apologize for all that talk for back then? You somehow survived it. Um, I could apologize and send you reparations if you'd like. But, um, look, um, yeah, I've always had that perspective. I grew up in New Jersey. I was going to all the New York Cosmos games. And, you know, my upbringing in soccer was in ethnic areas. So that's where I got a taste of that. But, you know, when you're bringing up the days of the Dallas burn and the Cotton Bowl, those were some fantastic days. I mean, when Hugo Sanchez was there and the draw that was at the Cotton Bowl back then, um, it did have an international feel to it, you know. Uh, but, look, uh, it's been a passion my whole life. Uh, it, it's a game I love. You know, I played it at the professional level. I was lucky enough to, to run a youth club for many years and, and get into the teaching side of it. So it. it it is a pure passion, and, and we see that passion now carried over in cities all over the country, including Austin right now. You know, it's interesting. You brought up uh, Hugo Sanchez, and, and we did a match, and I know you'll remember this, a match for the then Dallas Burn again, as we said, now they're FC Dallas, uh, back in that first year. And they were and and they had a match, and I want to say it was against San Jose, but I can't remember exactly. And But th- this speaks to it. It was the other match. Mexico, I think, against El Salvador. And so there were 35,000 people in the stadium that day. And we have wonderful, wonderful stadiums now where you broadcast regularly over in Houston, uh, where obviously uh, where Q2 is. It's it's state-of-the-art. There's great stadiums all around MLS. Uh, They are of a more compact variety. Now, it creates a fabulous environment. uh, But other than when you and I have done matches at the Rose Bowl when they played the Galaxy, uh, and and even the 31,000-seater there in San Jose, at Spartan Stadium was a neat environment, but we've kind of had to move away from that, haven't we? MLS had to move away from that to help grow the game by not trying to play it in such cavernous facilities that even if you had 25,000, it looked like a drop in the bucket in a 75,000-seat bowl. Yeah, it was a growth of the infrastructure of the league, and I mean, it's also how you control your revenue streams, but yeah, these are incredible temples, and I think if we if we think about the rest of the world and you tune into the Copa Libertadores in South America or, you know, I've called games in Central America in places like Honduras and at the Cuscatlan Stadium in El Salvador. I mean, these things are these things are falling apart, you know, and people are going in there 35, 40, 50, 60,000 people to watch games sitting on concrete. So I think sometimes we do need to reflect about where it is in the rest of the world because a lot of times we're force-fed the beauty of the Premier League, the perfectly manicured, pristine fields. But that's not how the rest of the world is in, you know, Eastern Europe necessarily, South America, Central America. So we have to appreciate what we have here. And and, and the infrastructure and the intimate environment and the ability to put as many people in the building as Austin FC continues to sell games out is pretty remarkable. I mean, professional soccer in my era in the 80s, you're playing in high school stadiums or, you know, uh, a, a big crowd would be thirteen or 14,000 in the Gator Bowl, which, you know, doesn't look too big, and uh, or the Pontiac Silverdome, which doesn't even exist anymore. So 
Um, it, it, it's all amazing. I do pinch myself every time I go into a stadium now. Interesting. All right. So you were there at, at Dynamo Stadium last night for their match. Austin FC, of course, beat New Mexico United. For folks who are, are yeah. still a little bit in the dark about this, uh, they, they might say, okay, wait a minute. Now, I, I'm just kind of getting into MLS now. And what's this? This is a tournament where they're playing teams that aren't even in MLS. It's like a triple A AAA team they're playing. I mean, you and I go back to days when we saw – the Dallas Burn lose to the Rochester Raging Rhinos. So, I mean, it happens yep. in, in U.S. Open Cup because you have good clubs that come in, even though they might not be MLS teams. Kind of the beauty of it. This is a big win last night for Austin. Yeah, it's a David versus Goliath thing. Look, if you're in New Mexico last night and you came into Q2 Stadium, what an experience for your players. Um, it's something you take back into your league play. They're in the USL Championship, which is the tier below Major League Soccer. But I think for Austin FC last night, um, you know, for a start, I mentioned at the beginning of this year on the radio, I said, this is going to be a different year for Austin FC. Um, it's going to be very difficult to replicate what happened last year. But getting a win in the Open Cup last night was important. Um, you've now scored goals in the last three games. You haven't had a win since the end of April, I believe. Uh, so to get a win, uh, you're getting Cascante back now. Uh, you know, Rodney Redis is starting to feel his way around Major League Soccer and produce better performances. Rigoni was involved in one of the goals last night. So I think you have to look at this as, as a step forward and a continued step forward, and that's how coaches position it. But let's make one thing clear, and I don't mean this in any derogatory fashion. Major League Soccer is, without question, as far as I'm concerned, the most forgiving slash confusing league in the world because <laughs> yeah you, the reason i say that is is you know it's it, and you hear coaches say this all the time well there's the first phase of the season which is now and every team pretty much in the league has got problems they've got to solve then there's the second period where you can enhance your team with with the transfer window in the summer and then there's the third segment of the year is you know when you're driving for the playoffs you know, come uh, August, September, right? So it is forgiving. Um, you have time to solve problems. I, I don't like that about the league because I think it leads to less consequence early in the year. But it is fact, and you, you have to kind of play the game the way it's dealt to you. And again, you know, 18 out of 29 teams make the playoffs. I'm sorry, if you don't make the playoffs in this, in this year, it's a bad season. <laughs> it's a bad season. If you don't make the playoffs, 18 out of 29? It's 62% of the teams. So I think progress right now for Austin FC and um, last night was good. And, and look, they got two goals in I think the first 36, 37 minutes. They were, were quality goals, one off a corner and one off a nice transitional moment that led to a cross and a wonderful finish. So, um, you know, you only can position it as, as a positive. Now, I saw a nice crowd in Austin where I was in Houston. There may have been a thousand people. Really? So, uh, yeah, it was a little, yes, there was a little difference in uh, the attendance, and these are two very different MLS markets right now. And, uh, uh, Glenn, I would also say what, uh, so now we've got, there'll be a redraw, right, for the round of 16 
uh, coming up for this for Correct. for Open Cup, and so for yeah. folks who don't know how that how all of that'll work now. I mean, I think folks are used to seeing historically, even if they've just dabbled in their soccer knowledge, to see how a World Cup draw works when that happens, and that's very celebrated. Much like the NFL schedule release will be nationally televised tonight. <laughs> Imagine yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, but it nationally televised when yeah. it comes to the NFL. Yeah, right? no doubt about that. But the but 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 there'll be a sep- there'll be uh, a redraw, right? A draw for the round of 16 now for the Open Cup. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Uh, it should happen today, actually, at some point. I don't know if it's been completed or not. But, yeah. um, look, it's a great tournament. It's an opportunity for coaches to give opportunity to others, uh, guys coming back from injury. And, look, at the end of the day, you're playing for a trophy. And it really comes down to the coach as to how they prioritize it in the context of, of a long major league soccer season. Some teams, you'll see, will take more risk. Uh, when it comes to the type of lineup they feel. But most of the time, it's usually pretty mixed until you get to the latter stages. All right. So before I let you go, we have to tell the story of 1995 indoor. For folks, you know, Glenn not only is an outstanding uh, broadcaster and an expert on the outdoor game, he also could, uh, could really analyze what was going on uh, on the indoor game. And I did the, the, the Dallas sidekicks either on radio or television for nine years. And, and as part of that, I got the opportunity, and it's, it's one of the thrills. I tell people that when, when people ask me, you know, it thrills my broadcast career, obviously the, the Rose Bowl with Vince Young scoring, that, that's always going to rank up there. And then two yeah. College World Series national championships and final fours for Texas men's and women's basketball in a 24-hour period in 2003. All of that goes without saying. We know that. But there are some other thrills that I've had. I mentioned the, the, getting the broadcast, the quarterfinal match, on the 94 World Cup with Gordon Jago, the longtime Dallas Sidekicks head coach, when we did it between uh, Brazil and Holland. Brazil and the Netherlands in the Cotton Bowl in 94, a fabulous oh, 3-2 match. What a game, and what a great man to be doing it with Gordon Jago, uh, by it, the way. It's, it's one of my all-time favorite moments in broadcasting. Now, I also have to say that one of my all-time favorite moments was not, one year later, 1995. Glenn Davis and I are selected to go down and broadcast the final game of the indoor Soccer League Championship, uh, which for years was known as MISL. I think it was called MSL then when you and I went and did it. No, or Continent. No, I think it was the Continental, Continental Indoor Soccer You're right. League. The, the CISL. You're exactly right. Continental Indoor Soccer League. So we go down. Sacramento is playing Monterey, La Raza, and it's in the Monterey Arena. And we go down there. Now, Glenn, as you've already heard, is, is a well-traveled international guy. I, I'd been out of the United States and eh, three or four times, but not, not very far. And Monterey is not that far away. It's only about 100 or 200 miles south of Laredo anyway. But we fly down there, and we have a car pick us up uh, at the airport. And so Glenn and I are thinking, okay, we've got time to get to the hotel, relax, change, and then the matches that night. And we're told, no, the commissioner wants to have lunch with you. And we're like, okay. <laughs> Okay, and so you remember he was raving about one dish cornisecca. That's it. I mean, it wasn't like, hey guys, how are you? Hey, you got to try the cornisecca. That's I was trying to remember that to tell Linda last night, and I couldn't remember what the dish was. Okay, (laughs) cornisecca. Okay, so so it's okay. All right, fine. And so he was more interested in the lunch itself than talking about the match. It was like, Ron, we got we got a championship game tonight. Is there (laughs) anything else to talk about other than cornisecca? We get into the arena, and it's a very small arena. 
Uh, it's it's maybe seven thousand, but the the dimensions and you pointed out immediately these aren't real full indoor soccer league dimensions. In other words, you couldn't play a hockey game in there like most soccer uh, matches. Indoor soccer was done in the hockey arenas, so you could do it. This was a much tighter dimensions. And you pointed out early, you said this is going to favor La Raza certainly playing here. But the other thing that stood out to us was the ever present cumulus cloud of cigarette smoke that just permeated the entire arena. And and, and during timeouts, he had young ladies holding up like you would see at a boxing match with like round girls that will walk up with a card and say six round. No, they're holding up cigarette ads and they're tossing cartons of cigarettes into the into the stands. Kids are grabbing them there. And you and I are just looking at each other going, we're really here? And that's when cigarette spots, it was like being at a cockfight, you know, in, 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 the, in the Caribbean, you know, it was just very different, very cool, though, in its own way. It was. And then, and then afterwards, we get invited to a party over at this estate, and we're driven over there, and these iron gates open up. If you've ever seen The Godfather Part Two, and you see Michael Corleone's compound, <laughs> or in Scarface, the compound... That's the type of thing we were in. Gates closed behind us, armed guards all around us. And you looked at me and said, are we safe here? I said, I think we're safe here <laughs> as long as we're guests or whatever. So it, it was bizarre. But always, I always remember that. You know, we, you and I had a lot of fun doing soccer. But that seems to stand out as much as anything. But those are the experience in this game. You know, some of my greatest experiences, even though I've called games in Europe, have been in Central America, you know, and and they're also educational in a way that, you know, you realize uh, maybe how fortunate you are, how different things are. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. La Raza won that. Remember, La Raza had a German coach, Eric Geyer, yeah. who was this really autocratic, fiery German guy, <laughs> great guy, Eric Geyer. And, um, you know, the, that little arena you were mentioning, I remember saying to you, why? I said, watch this, La Raza, these guys shoot when they get to the halfway line. Because it was just, there was no such thing as standardization of arenas back in the day in that league. That's for sure. <laughs> it, was, it was great. And we remember the primitive equipment. We were wearing like half headsets and uh, holding stick mics. Well, we, were to... sat right, we were sat right in with the fans, Craig, <laughs> if you remember. I had people yeah. throwing popcorn. And we, were, we, were, we had Dan Cordemanch next to us, too. Yeah, uh, from the league, who was the PR guy, who's now with MLS, and yeah. we were sat. They just cleared a couple of uh, spaces out uh, in the middle of the crowd. Let me tell you something, GD. What you just described—that's what I just had two weeks ago in Fort Worth doing baseball at TCU. What you just described? Did you really? Oh yeah, you're you're out amongst the fans there. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, they're I, all listening to what you're saying too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are going around. What are you doing here? You Texas guys need to go home. Forcing the Longhorns played well enough where they kept kind of quiet during the weekend. Here's um, a good one. I've called games in the LA Coliseum with Barcelona and Real Madrid. You know, eighty, ninety thousand people. I've also called the USC women's game in there where they had a little table in the, in, in the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. The whole place is empty except for about 20 parents who are huddling next to us to try and listen to what we're hearing. <laughs> That's great. And, and you've had First larger day. crowds than that over at Mike A. Myers when you're doing Texas women's soccer for Longwood Network. Well, we get some good crowds over there. We get some nice two, 3,000 people there. They do a really nice job of promoting it. And, you know, Longhorns are a really fun team to watch now under Angela Kelly and 
Trinity Byers, Lexi Misimo. I mean, they're they're pulling in another good recruiting class, so it's going to be another great year, no doubt, uh, for them. And then let's see how deep they can go in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. Hey, it's always great to visit with you. We'll make it more regular as we go throughout the course of the season here and uh, talk some more uh, Austin FC as we go forward. But I really appreciate you taking the time. And and again, folks can hear you on Monday night on Soccer Matters, right? Yep, 7 o'clock Central Time. You can hit me up on Twitter at Glenn Davis. By the way, you need to come on. You need to come on my show one night, too. Uh, and, and very soon, Craig. Done. We'll do it. We'll do it. Thank you, GD. I appreciate do, do it. I have to call your people. No, I am my people. <laughs> we're we're, okay, we're set. <laughs> very good. Frank, thanks for having me. Thank you, Glenn. That's Glenn Davis. Soccer Matters, Monday night at 7 o'clock here on the Horn. All right, uh, late to the break. When we come back, we'll check in with Andrew Haynes live uh, to talk some Texas softball as they get ready for the Big 12 tournament when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. This is Live the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Um, we are due, and I'll just leave it at that. We're due to check in with Andrew Haynes from the Hall of Fame Stadium Complex in Oklahoma City, uh, site of the 2023 Big 12 Softball Championship. Uh, what Andrew has communicated to us is they are having connectivity issues not with our equipment it's just they're having problems at the ballpark right now there is uh also i would say they are running relatively close to on time because the first game is underway right now and it's in the top of the sixth inning uh with iowa state leading baylor three to nothing and uh that's the matchup of the four and the five seed iowa state's the five baylor's the four and just looking at the uh, line score on this, um, Iowa State's pitcher Spellhog is throwing a no hitter. Uh, yeah, they're they're in the uh, uh, Iowa State's batting right now, and they've scored a run in the top of the sixth, and they're up three nothing. And right now, yeah, uh, it's it's uh, Ellie Spellhog, S P E L H A U G. Uh, Ellie Spellhog is uh, is spinning a no hitter right now, uh, go through five innings. So Texas is due to play Texas Tech in the game that will follow. That's the two seed against the seven seed, and that is scheduled for twelve thirty, uh, which you can hear on one of five three. Hopefully, uh, you know uh, connectivity issues notwithstanding. Hopefully that'll all be ironed out by then. So they're they're working through saying this is the big you know it's the USA. Softball Hall of Fame Stadium. Uh, Andrew's done several games there. He did, uh, obviously, in the College World Series last year when Texas got to the championship round. Earlier this year, the first of the three games with top-ranked and defending national champion and and this year's Big 12 champion, Oklahoma, where they won 41 in a row, I think, uh, overall. And um, uh, that was after they had an early season loss to Baylor. But... uh, 
that uh, that so he's done several games there, and it's a, I've done games there in the in the women's college World Series when Texas was there, you know, when Cat Osterman was pitching in the two thousands, and uh, it's a big it's a big complex, and uh, they have lots of booths and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, they're they're trying to sort through all of that. Uh, right now. So why don't we, without further ado, jump into our Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. And if we do, uh, you know, get in touch. Andrew said he would let you know, right, if if uh, if he's able to get connected. They're still working on the issue there to try to get that done. So uh, in the meantime, we bring you the, the notebook. Uh, and like we said, Texas softball due to play, uh, Texas Tech, that's at 1230 coming up. And you can hear that on 105.3 The Bat. Now, uh, Longhorn Baseball is uh, due to play San Jose State this weekend. This is each team in the Big 12 Conference has two, not one, but two open dates on the conference schedule. And Texas had one early. Remember when they played uh, New Orleans? That was uh, that was uh, during an open date weekend early in Big 12 Conference play. And then the other one is late in the season. Normally, the open date and conference play for the Longhorns comes during final exam week. But if you were listening this morning, and we talked about it on the air, uh, Keith Moreland and I were talking about it on the air last weekend from Lawrence, Kansas, this spring semester, in terms of its calendar, was unlike any I can ever remember at the University of Texas. It started like a couple of weeks early. And David Pierce was on this morning, if you heard Bucky and Aaron talking about that, because they started so early. They finished early. They finished, uh, I think, May 1st. And so they're done with the semester. They uh, had graduation last weekend. Now, there were several Longhorn players who, of course, were in uh, Kansas, and so they did not participate in the commencement itself. They did not uh, put on the cap and gown. It was a really cool moment when uh, Cameron Rupp, Yes, the same one, he of the prodigious clout, uh, home run in uh, 2009, the home run that tied the game in uh, against Arizona State in Omaha, and then Connor Rowe came up right behind him and hit the walk-off to get Texas to the national championship. Uh, but Rupp, returning as a student assistant coach, and went down to breakfast Saturday morning in his cap and gown in Lawrence, Kansas. That was, that was really cool, and the players got all excited. But there were several players – who got an opportunity uh, to earn their degrees, but they were up in Kansas. Uh, the other night, uh, Hardball Harge, Mike was working with me on the broadcast, and he, he was visiting with Porter Brown after the game. Porter uh, was awarded his degree on Saturday, but, of course, he was with the team. And Mike asked him out. He said, hey, I've had an opportunity to to take part in commencement up in TCU. And, and you know, that he said, I felt bad for some of the other guys who didn't get to uh, but we were all excited for Cameron. Uh, Tanner Carlson was one of them, Sam Walbridge, Zane Morehouse, uh, just to name a few of several of the Longhorn players who uh, are, are now college graduates as a result of that. Also, a couple of guys from last year's team, Coy Cobb, Cole Quintanilla, got a chance, and and they were part of it. So uh, congratulations to all of those guys. But, of course, now they're at the time of the year when, you know, when you've got – all of these uh, uh, games and practices, and there's only six games remaining in the regular season, but then they go up, uh, you know, after the six games, three this weekend, hopefully scheduled, weather permitting, against San Jose State, and then three the following weekend against West Virginia to wrap up Big 12 Conference regular season play. 
and then it's up to Arlington for the big Big Twelve tournament. Then it's NCAA regionals, and you know, depending on if you you win, you keep playing that sort of thing. But it's all baseball, and you know, living on um, per diem in baseball pretty much this time of year. Check of the uh, RPI this morning. Uh, because we got a question earlier about whether you know if one or more of the games are unable to be played against San Jose State due to the weather, would uh, that help or hurt the RPI? And I would say that it certainly wouldn't hurt, might not help. Uh, but Texas is 25 in the RPI right now. And he's saying, hey, the big deal about the RPI. The RPI is not the factor in basketball that it is in baseball. In basketball, they go by net rankings now, and there, there's other criteria. But baseball, it's still a very important evaluative tool used by the Tournament Selection Committee. And Texas today is 25 in the RPI. Let me also tell you that Texas State is 37 and moving up. Now, they're either going to get some help on that or they're really going to be in trouble uh, at the end of that in terms of any kind of at-large hopes they might have after this weekend because they're playing Louisiana, and it's a road series at Louisiana. Louisiana's 81 in the RPI, and that's not bad on the RPI, but to the extent that uh, Texas State can really help itself if they have a successful weekend series in Lafayette. So if they do that, they'll help themselves. The Longhorns uh, may not help themselves that much uh, with wins in the RPI certainly would not hurt themselves. And that was one thing that uh, David Pierce told us the other night in the postgame. San Jose State today is 130 in the RPI. He said if you're inside of 150, you don't hurt yourself by playing them as long as you win. Uh, you might not get much of a bump, but you won't go backward. You won't, you won't get a loss off of that. But if you lose, then obviously you take a hit. But at this time of year, this is the second – open date that has uh, rolled around for Texas and all the schools went through. The o- uh, Oklahoma State just got through playing back-to-back open dates. They went to Michigan and played two of the three games. They got one rained out at Ann Arbor. And then last weekend swept East Tennessee State at home. They've got a huge conference series this weekend against Kansas State. So these are the other things that affect Texas in terms of baseball this weekend. West Virginia, who is eight. <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me, 18 in the RPI, West Virginia is, hosting Texas Tech this weekend. Tech uh, in the RPI is 51 after taking their two games from Abilene Christian the other night. So that's a big weekend series there in Morgantown. The other one, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. And that's 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 very important. Oklahoma State today – uh, in the RPI is – I want to make <clears throat> sure I pull this up. Well, you got to be higher than that. Oklahoma's like number 33. I'm just missing them here. Uh, but they are uh, – they're play, They're 21. Yeah, I knew they were up higher than Texas in the RPI. Kansas State is 55. So there's two big series there. Then you have Dallas Baptist, who is just ahead of Texas, uh, below them. One spot below them at 26. And they're playing UTSA, who's been really good this year and uh, had a very respectable RPI throughout the course of the season. And that's a, a huge series this weekend between UTSA and Dallas Baptist. And uh, they're 54 in the RPI. So those are a, a three big series with regard to the national scene of the RPI. 
and how some of the outside factors may affect Texas more so than playing San Jose State. But they will play San Jose State, weather permitting, starting tomorrow night, 6.30, Saturday afternoon, 2.30, Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. All right, we'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Before we let you go, uh, while it was unfortunate we weren't able to connect with Andrew Haynes, uh, thanks to Alex Lowe from Longhorn Network who texted me to say, just a heads up, the Baylor-Iowa State game has gone into a lightning delay. So the Texas-Texas Tech game is probably going to get pushed back. And uh, we mentioned that the no-hitter that was being pitched uh, by the Iowa State pitcher uh, at the time as well. So it's scheduled for a 12-15 airtime. In other words, 15 minutes from now. But might be later than that. So stay tuned. It'll be on 105.3 The Bat. Stay tuned here on The Horn. Up next, Chad and Zay. For a man behind the glass, Cameron Parker, I'm Craig Wade. Thanks for joining us. We'll visit with you tomorrow at 10 o'clock right here on Light the Tower.